Major Gift Fundraising. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by Dr. Jim Hodge and by Martin Boot. They're the co-authors of Chapter 33 of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition, and that chapter is entitled Co-Creating Major Gifts, as they take a look at both the philosophical approach and practical steps that are needed for effective major gift fundraising. And Jim, great to have you with us on the podcast, and Martin, to you as well. Thanks, Bill. Good to see you. Well, first of all, Jim, let me start with you. And you have a successful uh, career in fundraising. You've researched, you've taught, you're a successful practitioner. Uh, your career has demonstrated to the rest of us what effective fundraising looks like. Uh, and you make the point with Martin in the chapter that you know, major gift fundraising is not just a you know an easy process. That this is complex and sophisticated. How should fundraisers approach major gift fundraising? What should nonprofit organizations be thinking about, knowing that there is complexity and sophistication involved with this work? Well, Bill, I think I think uh, the key is that we're in a serious profession. In fact, I think the most noble profession, if practiced nobly. So what we have to do is, is be serious in our approach in getting to know individuals. The, the philosophy is essential because we, we believe a benefactor-centric, relationship-based, and inquiry-driven approach is the best. And inquiry-driven means we think about the questions that have been answered by benefactors and questions yet unanswered. And so that we have to plan and think before engagements with each individual. You know, Jim, I'm thinking that is great support for that fundraiser who hears from their CEO or they hear a remark from a board member. Well, I just read in the newspaper about, you know, these three philanthropists in our town who made these major gifts, just go ask them for money. What you're arguing here in this book, both in terms of principles and techniques, is that this is an involved process. How can that understanding of complexity and sophistication help the fundraiser, not just in relationship with their donors, but even their relationships within their own nonprofit organization? Well, I, I think it's a good point you're making, and that's why relationship-based fundraising is about relationships with benefactors and professionals relationships professionals make with leaders and visionaries in their organizations. But most importantly for major gift fundraising, it's the relationship with an important, just, essentially right idea that's compelling and investment worthy. So we have that right idea that is compelling, that is an investment worthy leading to a donation. And Martin, the phrase that you and Jim use in this chapter that really jumped off the pages for me is philanthropic inevitability. Can you help our audience understand that, please? I, I think it's a brilliant term. And it's it sounds very much like a gymism, doesn't it? Uh, you know, there's <laughs> these particular terms like the communities of the committed that are from Jim's vocabulary that are going to be timeless phrases in uh, in philanthropy. So the idea is that you get to a point with a donor that there is no doubt that a gift will happen. And that is because you have done all the work uh, that is necessary to hear what the donor wants. If you've done all the work to make sure that the proposal you're making aligns with the mission of the organization. And it is most importantly, something that you share a vision on. And this is, you know, we drew a Venn diagram on, uh, in, on one of the pages of our, um, 
of our chapter, where it is like the, 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 the donor, the organization and the work of the fundraiser, where that little, those three circles intersect, that is where major gifts happen. And if you do all of that work right, the donor, there is no other, out, other outcome possible that the donor partners with you on the venture that you have identified. And that is the, the, the point that we're wanting to work towards as fundraisers. And that involves that, uh, that inquiry-driven process that Jim is talking about, that involves also collaboration with people in your organization. You have to be, and this is, this is a, not a concept that we drive home in the chapter, you have to be an intrapreneur, which means you have to look for the opportunities to grow in the organization, to really create opportunities for transformational change that appeal to the donor, but are mission-centric, right? So, and if all of those factors come together, that point of a philanthropic inevitability will happen and the organization and the donor are transformed as a uh, result of that. Martin, thank you for that description. I'd like to ask you to amplify that in terms of you said doing the work. You know, one thing we teach at the fundraising school is if there's anything difficult about fundraising, it's getting the meeting. That once you've gotten that first meeting, people know why you want to meet. Nobody's ever shocked when they're asked or you know informed about opportunities for charitable giving. So once the meeting has been received and allowed and subsequent meetings after that, what are some of the examples of the work that can lead to this point of philanthropic inevitability? I, I think what is interesting is that in this space that we work in, like each donor is unique and each organization is unique. And they're, you know, each idea that is that just, uh, the essentially just idea that is worthy of philanthropic support is unique. Um, but what is funny is that over, you know, the decades of fundraising, you know, the fundraising tool teaches an eight-step process of major gift fundraising, which is basically a distillation of the things that go into a successful major gift process. It is it is is very much how it can happen, not how it has to happen, because there's certainly situations in which the process is not exactly followed, but this is, you know, the, uh, the, the eight steps are how it typically would happen, right? And we go from identification through qualification, cultivation, solicitation, all the way through renewal of the gift. And I think a few things are most important there. Like one is recognizing who could be a donor, right? And that's, that's a person who has the ability to make a gift, but certainly has the interest and the connection to the organization to make a gift. And I think that a lot of organizations and uh, a lot of uh, executives at the organizations emphasize the ability, whereas the ability may not be really the distinguishing factor whether somebody is a donor or not, right? So, and this is something we pointed out in the chapter as well. Um, some of the most important work is within the cultivation and the ideation stages. So where you work with the donor to really discover what their passions are, what their, um, what their values are, what their what their ideal version of the world looks like, even beyond their passing, for example. This is a very important part of uh, plant giving. Um, and then the, when Jim talks about this essentially just idea, that is not something that the fundraiser does by themselves, right? That is part of a, of a team that you build around who the donor is, and what you could do with that conversation. And so in the, in, the, uh, in the eight steps, this is an important part that we draw out is this ideation phase where you talk about who should be on this team to explore this opportunity with the donor and what are the ideas that we're going to explore with them. 
Um, and, you know, one part that I feel particularly uh, strongly about is uh, is listening to a donor and really figuring out who they are and what they what they want and, and, and what is driving them to make decisions. And, and, and that really is the process of being empathetic, right? Being being somebody who looks for the uh, the, the 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 exact interests that the donors has has rather than what the organization needs to sell them, right? And uh, and and that's what we're driving home in that process, the eight step process. And I hope that uh, people take that as a uh, a roadmap, but recognize that sometimes that roadmap does not apply to the situation. So keeping the unique uh, characteristics of the donor in mind. And certainly we're interested in what the donor will fund and how much the donor will contribute. But Jim, to get there, your chapter with Martin talks about really understanding the morals that the donor has, the kind of their moral worldview, and also the meaning that they ascribe to their philanthropic behaviors and how that fits into their moral view of themselves and of the world. That is deeply personal. Uh, help fundraisers understand what you mean by understanding the morals and the meaning of the donor and, and even giving us permission as fundraisers to explore at that intimate level with our prospective major gift donors. I think, Bill, that the most important thing is that we ascribe to permission-based fundraising. So we ask permission to have deeper conversations, to, to probe interests, um, all of our work is, should be about values-based. And so I often say it's actually not about money. It's more about meaning. And the meaning is what is ascribed by the benefactor, what is important. We all want to be involved with, with projects that are bigger than we are and that will echo beyond our lifetimes. And so major gift works about major ideas, important ideas that perhaps can't be solved within our own generation, but connect us to others. And, and the idea of otherness, we, Martin just touched on it a little bit. The idea of having a philanthropic nature, being inclined to, to think about the moral issues of our time or moral issues of all time, that's the idea around major gift work. What's important to them and how would they like to express that through our organizations? I think that's another point that giving is not necessarily just to our organization, but it's giving through our organization to accomplish something important in the world. And essentially that's major gift work at its best. And what it's like, it's fun, it's enjoyable uh, to be in deep conversations. And we all think that the estate planning attorney, that all of the professionals surrounded by people who, who have uh, the ability to make major gifts will ask these questions. And the truth is they don't. And so in a sense, we're moral trainers. I mean, that sounds pre pretentious, but we have an opportunity to ask questions that benefactors have, have either not thought of or have not crystallized uh, some of their thinking around. And to borrow Martin's term, there's another gymism. Their donors are not giving to the nonprofit, they're giving through the nonprofit. And the way we teach that at the fundraising school is that certainly your nonprofit has a cause, has a public service mission, a donor has an interest, 
and you make an ask and the, the donor makes a contribution that happens quickly, that happens annually, that's often called annual fund fundraising. What we're talking about here with major gift fundraising um, is it's not about the nonprofit per se. Uh, it is about the donor, but not even about the donor per se. It's what the donor wants to do in the community, in the world that they're doing through the nonprofit organization with their major gift. I'd like to conclude with, with both of you with the, with the same question. So some of this is very intangible. I mean, when we're talking about, you know, philanthropic inevitability based on morals and meaning, it's kind of hard to maybe write that down or put that on a spreadsheet uh, in some way. Uh, and we also know this can take time. Some major gifts can happen right away in a meeting or two, others can take years. So then since fundraising is a management function, Jim, I'll ask you first and Martin ask you to conclude. How do we measure success? How do we know if a major gift fundraising officer is doing their job? Yeah. And, and Martin can talk maybe a little more about the empathy uh, studies that he's done and research, but we focus on the process, Bill, rather than the, out, the outcome. When you focus solely on the outcome for development officers, for benefactors, th then the anxiety, rises within the relationship. Um, but if you focus, if you're focusing on the meaning and what's important and what we might do together, then then things arise very naturally. Uh, and and sometimes it does take time. Uh, when we ask important questions, the inquiry driven part of the chapter, sometimes we're value seeding something in their life that they'll come back to years later and say, that was an important question. I've always wanted to do that. I'm still in, having fun in my business. But later on, it comes back to a conversation and, a, and much deeper engagement. Martin, what would you like to add in that regard? I, I, I love what you just said, Jim. I have had that several times where a donor came back two years later saying, mm -hmm. you know that project you told me about. I think I think I would like to do that. And and those are great moments because you you see what we are saying on the page here in action, right? Um I think I think I what I want to add in terms of the management portion, I think, you know, measuring the major gift process, uh, you know, program is very important, right? Like looking at like how many donors have you seen, how many dollars have you raised. But that stays at the 30,000 foot level if you know if your program is worth its salt because at the operational level at the major gifts operational level what you need your fundraisers to look at is like what am i doing with this donor to move that relationship forward like how can i respond to their requests and having a number that you have to hit like a, a metric goal that you have to hit is important organizationally but not to that relationship right and managers of fundraisers need to keep in mind that they need to talk to their fundraisers about what is it that moves that relationship forward so that we at a certain point get to that goal rather than hey you need to hit this goal because we're not really in a sales function right we're in a relationship function that you know is strongest when the donor has the agency to actually move the relationship forward themselves. And, and this is where I think, you know, manager has to be really cautious not to put the metrics ahead of the relationship because the metrics, again, are important. You have to, for, you know, organizational efficacy, you have to do that. 
but it is maybe not the most important thing for the relationships and for you know reaching that point of philanthropic inevitability because i can actually guarantee you that if you focus on the metrics that point will get further and further away because donors want to talk about the morals donors want to talk what happens with my gift not hey this is the amount that i want to ascribe to it right and and this is you know where or jim's point about it's not so much about money but about values comes in I think that is also 95% of our work is talking about the values and the morals. And you have to be very literate in that space uh, besides having to be literate in the, in the financial portion. And I think that managers need to train their fundraisers to stay in that space and also make sure that their, uh, their focus remains there. In this whole conversation about measuring for success, a, a great takeaway for our chief development officers, our CEOs, our board members, folks who have that authority to approve a fundraising plan and, and hold people accountable uh, for success, is to incorporate the viewpoint of the major gift officer when those goals are being established. And so when the next fundraising year is coming up, to ask that major gift officer, who in your portfolio is in cultivation? We're not going to even expect you to make a philanthropic request this year, that you're still in that you know, discerning phase of morals and meaning leading to philanthropic inevitability. Who's in more of a stewardship phase? Because they just gave very recently and you're just maintaining relationship with them after the gift. And then who is in that stage this year where you think you are going to make the ask? And what kind of ranges should we be thinking about? And then if it's that mutual conversation, uh, hopefully on the internal work uh, within our organization, we can keep everything in perspective and really liberate the major gift officer to serve the donor well towards these transformational gifts. Chapter 33 of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition, is co-creating major gifts. So what a delight to learn more today from the co-authors, James Hodge and Martin Boot. And this chapter is foundational to the major gift fundraising course that we teach in the fundraising school. We also have a strong module in our principles and techniques of fundraising course. Those two courses are part of our certificate of fundraising management. We have 22 public courses, four different certificates. You can take one course, you can take courses that lead up to those certifications. They're available in person, or online. We also can bring you custom training where we take uh, parts of courses and knit them together for your specific needs, or we can bring our existing courses directly to you, your nonprofit, your region, your association, whatever works best for you in the United States and yes, around the world, both in person and online. We have quarterly webinars, these free podcasts, and of course, Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition, which you receive for free if you enroll and complete principles and techniques for fundraising or available for purchase, all of this on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. Thanks again to our guests, Jim Hodge and Martin Boot. Our producers are Jennifer Boffman and Mike Anthony. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm -hmm.